Okay. Okay, we're gonna clap. Ready? Let's 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 get this thing going. I hope you guys are doing good today. Having a good week. I'm getting ready to go on vacation again next week, so I'm like pumped. I know I just came back from vacation, but I'm I'm my job is giving me a week off, so I'm gonna live it up. But this week we're gonna talk about just the power and the weight of forgiveness and and how it enables you to walk in the fullness of life. Forgiveness is, it's hard. I, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it and be like, yeah, forgiveness is so easy. Dealing with deep personal wounds is so easy and trauma is just, it's easy. No, it's actually something that takes a lot of love and is a process. I personally have walked through this deeply and I've watched how forgiveness in my life has given birth to such beautiful and rich things. But I've also seen the other side of unforgiveness and watched it take root and give birth to bitterness and anger at levels I've never seen before. And so when we're talking about forgiveness, the Bible has so many different facets you can jump into, right? There are so many different places you can read about forgiveness from the beginning to the end, right? You're seeing it through and through. But I really want to break down one piece and then we're going to jump into um, probably another piece of scripture too at the end. But there is one person in the Bible that I look to every single time when it comes to forgiveness, and it's Jesus. Why do I look to Jesus? Because Jesus came to earth, right? For us. He gives all this joy. He gives all this goodness. He shows just the light and love of what happens when you choose God, how to follow him, how to love him. And then what happens, right? He goes to the cross. He knows he's going to go to the cross. But in, in the midst of all those things, you're actually watching the process of forgiveness. You are watching how it is meant to be modeled, which is you could be living life and it could be good, good, good. You're helping people. You're doing great things. And then people, boom, those same people that say that they love you one moment will turn your back. They're back the next moment. And then are the same people that put him on that cross and are those people that begin to put you into bondage and, and, and hurt and pain, right? The people that you thought loved you and you have to choose them anyway. That's the lesson we learned from Jesus. Will you choose to love them anyway when everything inside of you is going, they hurt you, push them away? How could they do that to us? Don't let them back in. And so Jesus says something while he's on the cross. That is a verse that changed my life when I was personally dealing with deep pain when it came to forgiveness. And it's this, in Luke 23, 34, it says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus hanging on a cross. He's hanging on a cross. And he's thinking about the weight of love for other people first. 
and he's asking for their forgiveness in the midst of pain and agony. He's thinking of them. He's thinking of us. And that's the model of what we need to forgive. That is the model of forgiveness we are meant to live. Can you, in the midst of pain and agony, go, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. For me personally, when I was first walking through this, no. Like, I would have been, I'm going to be so real with you. I, I would have been like, you know what? Get that person away from me. They're done. They're out. I don't care. They're on my list. Let them go find a new place because it's not going to be with me and it's not going to be around me. I am definitely one of those people that when somebody hurt me, the wall goes. The wall is up. The wall is, is, is there for a lifetime and you're going to have to break through it. But there is a beautiful thing that happened in my heart, which is that Jesus broke through walls so I don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't, I don't even have to deal with that. And I'm going to break this down. I'm trying to figure out the best way to tell this story because it's, it's a painful one. Um, I, whenever people <laughs> hear my testimony, there's, there's a lot that I can break down, right? There's, I can talk about adoption. I can talk about being an African-American girl in an all-white household and in all-white circles and, and how I had to find identity and who I was as an African-American and just all of those things. I can break those things down, right? But there is also a big part of my heart that has to break down uh, my family. And I love them all very dearly. I will say that. I probably, if this was... Mm, yeah, probably 10 years ago, I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't say that, but I love them all very dearly. And I've watched people in my family make choices that I don't agree with that have hurt people so deeply. And I've watched unforgiveness take root and watched where things have been said like, oh, I forgive them, but their actions show the roots and in, in life of bitterness, which shows unforgiveness. And so personally for me, I'm going to break it down this way. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I, my, one of my siblings decided I'm done with this Jesus thing. I'm done listening to my family. I'm going to choose this completely countercultural life. And it wasn't even that they were choosing the world, right? It wasn't even like, oh, I'm going to go party. I'm going to just hang out with my friends. I'm not going to live for Jesus anymore. It was a, I'm going to go into a dark criminal activity type of life and I'm going to do drugs and I'm going to be in a gang and I'm going to harm people and you guys are going to be fearful of me. And so for a very long time in my life, I'm 15 years old, right? Like 14, 15 years old. I'm trying to just like get through freaking freshman year. Like I am trying to get through eighth grade to freshman year and just be done and like get through high school as like a black girl in these white circles with, with girls who don't understand me and feeling like I don't, I don't have anything except for sports. <laughs> like That was really what it was. And so I, I'm going through this process and my sibling makes this choice and my parents decide in the midst of it that we're going to split our family apart. 
so my dad decides to do the most noble thing. I've, I mean, some people have, I'm, have terrible parents. I will say that because I mentor a lot of students, so I know. But some people have parents that could never do what my dad did for me and my other siblings, which is take the brunt of pain of watching your child make a choice and then not being able to be with your family because you're going to protect them from it. Honestly, like my dad has shown me more of what it means to look like Jesus than anybody on this earth. He has, and so has my mom. But I just remember my dad separating our family. And so we go and we live in a different state. And my dad lives in the place that we were in before. And as this is happening, I, I personally am, am really struggling because I'm like, how could my brother do that? How could he decide that this is what he wants to do to the point where I have to uproot my entire life, leave all of my friends? leave all everything I know and go to a different state because he made a choice. And as the cycle happens, right? He makes this choice. He does what he's going to do. Sorry. Wait one second. I just had like 15. There's like an emergency. Is everybody okay? I'm so sorry. Okay. Sorry. Um, but he makes this choice and this goes on for, I mean, it's still continually happening, but this goes on the cycle of his life where he's making choices that are very close to, it's beyond narcissistic like like behavior. It is at a psychological level of, of something I've never seen before in my life. And so for me, I'm walking through this, I'm walking through my my there's deep things like like I'm trying to figure out the best way to say these things without it like because I don't want it to just get too heavy but I find out about just different levels of abuse that he has inflicted upon my family and I find out about threats that he's made against my life and and have moments these terrifying moments where he literally threatens my life and so I'm like a shell. I am a shell. This is this is me being really real with you. I'm like this is probably I'm probably 16 now. A shell of what it means to be a daughter. Just a shell. And I'm struggling with God because I'm going, God, why are you ma- letting this happen to my family? Why are you letting this happen to my family? And I I, I can't process it and I have so much, I'm going to be honest with you, hatred. I had so much hatred for my brother. Like it was so deep. And after a while he turns 18, he's on his own, right? We don't have to deal with this anymore, but there's still the aftermath of all the trauma and, and just chaos that has happened. Because for four years, I lived my life like this. We move somewhere. Uh, he makes a choice, runs away. My dad moves us again. This is, this is my life for four years. And so I'm like trying to like establish friendships. I'm trying to do all these things and my life is getting uprooted. And then boom, I'm like, and to me at that time, if you know my full story, like I am in this point of like, I want to be a full-time athlete. Like I want to play basketball professionally. So you uprooting me every, every six to seven months, 
is not going to work for me. And so I am not taking this out on my, well, I took a little bit out of my parents because I'm like, can you guys just like make a choice? Like, can we just like figure this out? Right. But I'm, I am angry and bitter and dealing with so much hatred towards my brother who is making these choices that are affecting me. And so I get to like 18, right? And I'm like, I am, I am the queen of, I will kill you with my words because the word, my words were the only thing that I felt like I had that were a weapon. I'll kill you with my words. I have so many walls around me. It's actually insane. I refuse to actually let friends in until I know they have actually shown loyalty to me. I am in like a mobster mentality right here. <laughs> I'm like, kiss the ring and then go out and do something to show me that you're loyal to us. That's how it was. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you're one of my good friends, you know. If you were my friend in high school, you're like, yeah, that's how it was. If you got in, you were in. And, and once you're in, you're like, please don't, please don't kick me out. <laughs> that's how it was with me. And it was either you're in or you're out. And if you betrayed me, if you did anything that I didn't like and we didn't agree or we had some type of argument, you're gone. And then everybody else that sides with me, which like I was very popular, so a lot of people would, you were just banished. I didn't really realize the bullying mentality I had, like how much of a mean girl I was. But I wasn't a mean girl in the say, in the way of like, like popularity and like, you need to dress like this and all this. I was like a mean girl to the mean girls right? I was like the mean girl to the bullies. Like I would obliterate their lives and then watch their bodies hit the floor and go, well, I hope it stays there. That's who I was. I mean, if you were like, I was like Robin Hood. <laughs> like, so if you were, if you were weaker or not as smart or, or not the epitome of what everybody's standard was, you're good. You know, I got your back. Somebody starts picking up on you. I got you. Somebody, somebody tries to play with you. Somebody tries to mess with you. I got you. Come tell me about it. I'll go take care of it. And, and they knew. Like, people knew. They're like, don't mess with Gabriella. She will take your life. And she will not apologize for it, which I need to do a lot of apologizing. But so this process of the shell of this woman, right, of who I am now, because it's completely countercultural to who I am now. I, I'm 18. I'm trying to get ready to go to school. I've signed with this school that it's going to take me to the next level. I'm so excited. I'm working as I, I was working as a camp counselor at that point. And then like literally God, just God intervenes in a major way in my life and asks me to lay down all my dreams. And I do, but there's a process after that too, of, of me having to forgive. And I remember I am at Bible school. I'm about 19 years old. I'm at Bible school. I'm sitting there like just going through the motions because I'm I'm a PK, right? I can I can fake anything. Been going to Christian school my whole life. I know how to make this work. I, I'm just a shell. And so I I'm doing the things, I'm just whatever. And then one of my personal mentors in my life comes up to me and he just says, Hey, what are you actually gonna like deal with your unforgiveness and your bitterness in your heart. And I was like, I just looked at him. I glared. I remember I glared at him and I was like, I don't have bitterness and unforgiveness. Sign number one. <laughs> like I was, I was angry. I was like, who are you to try to call me out? You don't know the pain that I've walked through. You don't know the things that have happened to me. 
So you have no right to try to step into my life and tell me how to deal. I am making it the best that I can. That's what I'm saying inwardly. Like, and I just glared at him and sat there. And it's probably two weeks later, I'm processing this. I'm still thinking about that conversation for two weeks. I'm definitely one of those people that like thinks about it and like fights you in my head and then is like, fine, right? Or like, I'll get in my car and just like be like, blah, blah, blah. If I don't say it to your face, God has really humbled me. I'm, I'm a, definitely not a, I will just say it to your face girl anymore. But I, so this is all happening. I'm like processing this down for a few weeks. We go to this conference and somebody comes up to me. I don't even know who it is. Like I'm being so real with you. I remember I asked my best friend, Sarah, I'm like, who was that? That like came and prayed for me. And she goes, what are you talking about? I'll never forget this. It's the craziest thing ever. And I said, I was on the floor. I'm like right next to her. I was on the floor over here right next to you. And somebody came over and prayed for me and hugged me. And she's like, Gabriel, like nobody's come over here. Nobody's, nobody's come over here. I don't know what you're talking about. It's already like weird, right? But what had happened was, it was definitely, (laughs) I'm on the floor. And I'm like crying out to God and I'm telling him all this pain that I have in my heart and all this hatred that I have in my heart. And I'm going, God, I can't forgive him. Like everything inside of me can't do it. I can't forgive him. And I just remember I heard it like it was insane. Just remember being held and I and I heard the voice say like this person that I thought was a person say to say to me but you can't live until you forgive them you can't be all that you're meant to be until you let it go and something unleashed in my heart and I began to understand Luke 23 where it says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I was like, okay, okay. And so I start literally verbalizing, like, I forgive you for saying you want to kill me. I forgive you for, and I'm like literally saying all these things. And as I get to the end of this, right? Man, I'm all snotty, this is gross. But as I get to the end of this, I remember my prayer turned from me saying all these forgiveness to praying blessings, to begin to pray blessings over my brother who had left me with all this pain and this trauma. And I'm praying and I'm, and I'm, and I'm praying from my spirit, like deep in the deep wells of my heart and a prayer I've never thought I could ever pray. Like I've heard people pray like this and I was like, what is coming out of me? Just, just praying like the love and identity of a father over him. And I hadn't realized it until I processed it through a couple of years later. God had taken me from hatred to the beauty of love, to the understanding of the weight of love. And so here's this 19-year-old girl who was so broken and so angry 
not just at my brother, but also at God for letting it happen. And God's going, yeah, I'm sorry. And he's holding me through it. I think a lot of times when it comes to forgiveness, we look at it as this, I'm forgiving you for your benefit. Not realizing that it's actually, I'm forgiving you. Yes, for your benefit, but for my heart too. For the weight of love that I have for you. And I want to read um, Colossians. I don't know if I still have the bookmarker. I do have it in there. In Colossians 3, 13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgiveness is actually putting love and the place of pain. I don't want to negate people's pain. I don't want to throw it off to the side, but I want to say this, that the true essence of healing comes from the weight that you forgive at. There is a, there is a level of freedom you get to walk in when you walk in the freedom of forgiveness. People's are honestly people's hurt that they inflict upon you that's really what it is it doesn't hit the same because you look at their pain and you go this isn't about me anymore it's about something deeper inside of you so i choose to forgive you and i choose to love you and i want to say this that as i i know i talked about my brother we're not like close we're not best friends we don't hang out he doesn't even know the weight of, of forgiveness that I even have walked through for him, right? He doesn't understand that. I, I, say this, I say all that to say this, that as you forgive, it doesn't mean you instantly let back in. I think one of the big things that me and my family have had to walk through, which is really funny, actually, which is a lot of people on the outside being like... <laughs> Well, you need to just forgive them and let them back in. And I think what they don't understand is the beauty of when fruit is is bearing. I think that there's this other level of forgiveness, which is wisdom of, yes, giving them the weight and being like, I forgive you and this is why. And then getting to the place where you love them well and then allowing them to go and have a place to bear fruit without you around. I talk about bearing fruit a lot, but I look at it, and the reason that I talk about it so much is because I've had to look at it. When it came to my brother, there were a lot of people that told me, well, you need to build a relationship back. Well, you need to, that's not actually forgiveness because you're not letting him back in. And I said, well, actually what you're talking about is foolishness because he's going through something really hard. And I didn't say that I wouldn't love him. I didn't say that I wouldn't help him. I just said that I'm not going to allow myself into a place where I can be hurt but he's not taking steps to heal. There's nothing wrong with waiting to see if there's good fruit. A lot of people bear fruit. doesn't always mean that it's good. So 
I've had to take this process and I've had to look at it as, okay, God, how do I love somebody from a distance? How do I love somebody without putting a wall up? How do I love in the, in the aftermath of, of trauma and pain and chaos? How do I do that? And he's like, pray. You pray for them. And you set the table for them until they return to it. I said, okay. Okay. So every day, every day I pray for my brother. Every day I pray that it would be the day he returns to the Lord, that it would be the day that he comes and asks for forgiveness. It would be the day where he starts to restore relationships. Every day. And that's hard. There are days where I'm like, things happen and I hear about something and I'm like, I don't want to pray for you. And the Holy Spirit's like, it doesn't matter if you don't want to. You said you would. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So when my flesh is like, oh, I don't want to pray for you, I have to choose my soul anyways and say, okay, no, we're going to do it. We're going to walk in the fullness of not letting grievances hinder my life. What happens when grievance takes root, right, is bitterness. It's deep bitterness. And I think... I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. I think I've walked through, I'm probably one of the few people that in the midst that everything was going on that and my family that has really walked through the fullness of forgiveness through this. And I've watched as a lot of them say they have forgiven, but I, the actions are just, and the words are just so filled with bitterness and anger. And I, and I, I, want to, I know that there are some of you guys that are dealing with such deep levels of bitterness and anger towards people that have deeply hurt you. And all I want to say is that I'm so sorry. That I'm so sorry. And you didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve the pain. You didn't deserve what has happened to you. And as you take this journey of forgiveness, whatever it's going to look like for you, because it won't look exactly like mine, whatever that journey of forgiveness looks like, that it would be so full and beautiful that God would take the ashes of your life and turn them to beauty again. I think one of the biggest things that I can say as you, if you're starting to process or you're starting to try to figure out how do I forgive this person or how do I get past this trauma, right? is you got to give your ashes. You got to give that, that, that one small part of you that you're like, this is all I have. All I have are the ashes of what they've left. And then I got my walls. Like, this is all I got, God. You got to give it anyways. Because he's not just a God who sits on a throne and goes, man, look at that. That's a mess. No, he's the God that says, man, look at that. I'll restore it. He's not a God that looks at your pain and your ashes and goes, I can't. He goes, I will. You gotta give it. That's the first step. I feel like I'm like talking about AA. The first step of forgiveness is giving your ashes. 
man, I just cried like through that whole entire thing. And I really just like want to believe in myself to not cry so much, you know, which is funny because I'm always talking about how like tears are a gift and an overflow of his presence and what he's doing in your heart. But I just really want to encourage some of you guys, though, that just take the step of forgiveness today. Would you? Man, I'm like supposed to, I have like notes of things I'm supposed to do for next week and I like don't want to do it because I just feel like that was really weighty. I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. I will post it on my TikTok and on my social media, but I hope you guys have a great week. I hope that this was helpful. Um, if you're like, I'm still struggling really hard, like I would love to hear from you. I always love having conversations. I had a lot of conversations about personal convictions last week, so that was pretty fun. But I hope you guys have a really good week.